0: Well, welcome to the Christmas season officially. If the snow didn't get you, you know, I don't know what else you know would kind of capture our attention, especially this year. Now, I don't know about you, but this is one of my favorite times, if not the favorite time of year. There's something in the air. There's something just uh, about the season. There's something just fun. You know, about how many of you like me love this season? How many guys your hand? Okay, so the vast majority of you. So here's what I want you to do: is what is your favorite Christmas activity or tradition? So, you have about 15 seconds, talk to the person next to you, and we'll come right back up. Favorite activity or tradition? Ready, go. All right, I want to hear something for this section. Cutting
1: down a Christmas tree.
0: Cutting down a Christmas tree. Songs. What? Grandsons. 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 The, the... Grandsons. Okay, shredding, wrapping paper for the cat. Hey, that's a tradition. I like that. Lights, Lights and Coeur d'Alene. Sh- presents. What? More presents. <laughs> Nap time. I like that. <laughs> oh, family time. You know, family time. And then nap time, you know, it kind of it can work in that in that way as well. Uh, we've got a bunch of, you know, just like you guys do, uh, just. Watched Elf while putting up the Christmas tree. I have no idea why that started, but it was just something that we've done. We have these traditions, and my wife was just brilliant. Last year, she came up with something new, something different, because as our kids have gotten older, I got a 20 year old, a 16 year old, and a 12 year old, some of the things that we did when they were younger just isn't hitting like it used to. And so some of the things we're gonna keep just because it's tradition, but other things, she just said, hey, what if we did this? What if we asked each person in the family to choose one thing that they want the entire family to participate in? So one thing, and it's up to them. And so last year, just to give you an idea, uh, one child chose a gingerbread making you know, house competition. And so I'm like, we've never done that before. Uh, Another person said, let's go ice skating. (laughs) That was fun, Uh, you know, for some of us. You know, as we went ice skating together, um, uh, one of my kids decided to say, I want to just go see Spider-Man No Way Home. Like, okay, you know, I guess that's a tradition. And uh, my wife loved the Chosen the Christmas special. That was something that was new. So these are things that are new. And this year, they've already begun to plan something different. So I guess we have the Shields guys versus gals British Christmas bake-off. I don't know what that's gonna look like, but uh, that's what we're gonna be doing. Um, Another one of my sons, we're watching Avatar, you know, so you can see a theme, you know, when it comes to him. Uh, uh, There's somebody else in our family who picked the service project, which obviously it was a parent, you know, and so we've got all of these things, you know, that we've got kind of planned, you know, for this Christmas season, for it to be something special, for it to be something memorable and something unique. But I want to give us all a warning as we head into the season. The temptation is for us to actually miss Christmas. Oh, we don't miss the traditions. We're not going to miss the food. You're not going to miss the setting up the tree. For some of you, it's the houses, it's the Christmas movies. You know, it's the Black Friday shopping. You don't miss those things. But in the midst of celebrating all of those things, we can have a tendency, even if you're a follower of Jesus, to miss Christmas by celebrating all of those things and forgetting the main reason in which we actually celebrate Christmas. Christmas. So what we're gonna do is over the next four weeks, including Christmas Eve, starting today, we're gonna go through four lessons on how we can avoid missing Christmas. We're gonna look at the Christmas story and see who did miss Christmas or who almost missed Christmas and try to take some lessons from that. But before we do, we have to back up and, ask, and answer this question, why? Why do we celebrate Christmas? And I want you to honestly think in your own heart and mind, Why do I celebrate Christmas? Why do I look forward to Christmas? Why do I do some of these traditions? And so just like Trevor, I've brought in a special friend to be able to help remind us as well. So go ahead and take a look at the screens.
1: Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please.
0: Charlie Brown doesn't know what Christmas is about. And we have that same tendency and all of the things that we are involved in and all of which can be very, very good. We can actually miss the reason and the heart behind Christmas. Now, how do we know what Christmas is about? What's great is that God sends his angels, which are called messengers. So they're the ones to literally tell us what Christmas is all about. And in one verse, they say these words to the shepherds, I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You see, we're not just celebrating an eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus. That's not what we're doing. We're celebrating the savior, the Messiah, the Lord. And you need to understand, you've heard this before, but the angels are so excited about this moment, this event. It's not just the resurrection. It's not just, you know, the cross, you know, which is important based on the resurrection, but it's his birth that the angels have burst out into song by this event in human history. And it's the only time in scripture that we see these three titles to which the angel tells us is the significance behind Jesus's birth. First, that he was the savior. Now a savior, again, is someone who delivers and rescues us from our sin. We can't, no matter how good we are, make our way back to God. God actually has to send someone to die on our behalf to make a way because all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so the savior has been born. This is why it's good news. It's time to celebrate. Then he says that the Messiah, the Messiah also is the Hebrew word, and a Greek word is Christ. So Messiah and Christ is the same word, same meaning, which is the anointed or chosen one that God promised would one day save his people. So the angels are announcing, hey, shepherds, tell the Jewish people everywhere. Tell them everywhere. You know what we've been talking about for generations about this Christ, this Messiah that's gonna come and it's gonna save my people. This is the moment. This is the time. Let's celebrate. And then he says, the Lord, Yahweh, that's the same same word definition. The one we give our allegiance to. He is the ruler, the boss, the master of the of our lives. In other words, he is the King of Kings, and he is the Lord of Lords. And he has come into the world. And so, if there's a reason to celebrate, if the reason is to have a party, it's because of who Jesus is and why he has come. And yet, even today, a couple thousand years later, we are tempted to miss out because of, first and foremost, distraction and busyness. Even with good things, we get distracted and we get really, really busy. In fact, let's go to the Christmas story and learn how many people miss this truth as well. In Luke chapter two, it says this, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the entire Roman world. This was the first census when Cranerius was governor of Syria. We read over this We have no idea why this is so significant for Luke to mention this in our Bibles. So let me uh, walk you back a little history lesson. I was in Turkey just a a number of weeks ago, and and Turkey in our Bibles would have been uh, Asia Minor. But in Jesus' day, Rome was in charge. They were in charge basically of the known world, and especially in the Mediterranean Sea, in that area, and around the area in which Jesus was born. So what you need to understand is that this guy, this Roman Emperor Augustus, started out with the name Octavian after his father. His grandmother was the sister of someone you've heard of named Julius Caesar. And being a talented man, Octavian became to the attention of his great uncle. Julius Caesar eventually adopted Octavian as his son and actually made it known that he would be the official heir to the throne in 45 B.C., Within a year of that proclamation, Caesar, and we've got a lot of stories about that, was murdered and Octavian joined two others, Mark Anthony and Lepidus in splitting Rome into three ways. But for the next several decades, the whole Mediterranean world was filled with bloody wars and violence. There were years of bloody, brutal fighting for power and money in Rome and the provinces. But Octavian and Anthony soon pushed Lepidus out of the picture. For 13 years, Octavian and Anthony existed together as rivals until 31 BC. For a year, their huge armies assembled and positioned themselves. Anthony, with the help of someone that you may be familiar with called Queen Cleopatra, brought 500 warships, 100,000 foot soldiers and 12,000 cavalry. Octavian answered with 400 warships, 80,000 infantry and 12,000 horsemen. Octavian you know, had the better strategy and the more mobile ships and he defeated the combined forces of Anthony and Queen Cleopatra at the battle of Actium. Now Octavian was the sole ruler of the Roman world and took the title for himself, Caesar. Augustus. And I have this picture from one of the statues that still is there today. The reason that this is important is because our Bibles are true. And these events and these situations happened in history Now the second thing, here's the thing you need to understand that's not written there, that the Bible author knows that as they write to the first century Christians, especially the people in the known Roman world, that they would understand this. Because when Augustus became the emperor, it was at that time for the first time that the people, the Senate and the emperor decided that an emperor was not an ordinary man. That every person who became Caesar was also a god. And so Caesar Augustus reluctantly, but then he agreed, you know, whether it was reluctant or not, we don't know. He agreed to be called a god, but he wanted to honor his late father. And he told the people, don't call me God because that is my father, Julius Caesar, but my title shall be the son of God. In fact, I want everybody to know that I am the son of God and that my purpose is to bring into the Roman world something called the Pax Romana, which my purpose is to bring peace on earth. So it's not an accident that our writer of the New Testament would mention that there is a person who is sitting on the throne who claims to be the son of God who's going to bring peace on earth at the moment that he's writing that the real son of God who's going to bring peace has come into the world. It all of a sudden brings this whole, this whole, whole instance of the birth and the importance of the birth to new light. And as we continue to read, hopefully that gives you some background to understanding why this is so significant. Now, all returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged and was now expecting a child. Now, from Nazareth to to Jerusalem was about 80 miles, and being in that terrain, it wasn't this flat, easy road. It would have taken a lot of time and a lot of money. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them, or in some of your versions, there was no room at the inn." So obviously, this little town of Bethlehem has swelled by tens of thousands, and people are scurrying around in all of the busyness and the distractions that are taking place that they literally miss one of the most significant events in human and all history. The Son has been born. The Savior has been born. The Lord, the Messiah, has been born. Now, we too get distracted by the busyness of the season. Oh, there's not a census for us to be taken, but there is a lot of parties, a lot of expectation that we've placed on ourselves or that we believe others have on us that heightened all of this busyness that we actually miss out on Christmas. And speaking of distraction, I couldn't help but think of Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted. Now the word distracted can also be translated as anxious, worried, or cumbered. It literally means to be pulled or dragged in different directions. That is what she is feeling. That is what she is going through by the big dinner that she was preparing. See, we also are distracted by these good things and, and guest rooms need to be, be cleaned up. The, the dinner needs to be prepared. Everything needs to be decorated and it better be perfect or else it's not gonna fulfill the expectation that I or others have for this season and you find yourself so distracted so pulled in so many different directions that for some of us in the room, you finally get through whatever said event that's causing this, and it almost is more of a relief than something you actually enjoyed. I don't want you to experience that this Christmas season. I want you to experience the main reason for the season. And so she came to Jesus, Martha did, and says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details and trying to create the best Christmas ever because there's a ton of expectation on you, right? This is what's taking place. She's trying to do all these. Is Jesus against having meals? No. Is he against having a good meal? Absolutely not. But she, but he, she unintentionally misprioritized what was most important. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. So what about you? Where is your heart and mind heading into this Christmas season? Are you about ready to do what you've always done and you get to the end of the season and you've actually missed the whole reason for the season? Or can something be done a little bit differently? So I'm gonna give you some ideas, some ways to make Jesus as Savior, as Lord, and as Messiah, the center of the season. The first is I'm gonna ask you to look at your calendar. Hold somebody else accountable, and let's do this together. Open up your calendar and ask yourself, do I have any margin? Do I have any margin? And as you look at the things that are on there, I also want you to ask, even though they're all good things, is there anything that's actually focused or related to Jesus on my busy of calendar? And as you have these things laid out, here's what I'm gonna give you permission to do. Cancel some things. Do it today. Cancel some things. And I know some of you are like, but Dan, I already said yes, and I hate disappointing people. Okay, I get it. Tell them your pastor made you cancel some things, okay? That the Lord through the pastor told you cancel things. Because you've got to create some margin, and in that margin, here is how you create some practical ways to make Jesus the reason for the season. So here's the first thing. Spend time with him. If it's Jesus' season, we got to spend time with him. And one of the ways that we can do that, even on a traditional basis, is do something called Advent. Now, Advent just literally means coming. It's preparing our hearts and minds for the birth, the coming of Jesus, but also for the second coming of which he is is uh, prophesied to come back as well. And so I know as our family uh, we did this again last night and I understand every night it can be hard challenging difficult you know and so whenever we get our family together even if it's once every two or three nights we're going to make sure that advent is part of our celebration together. And some of you guys are like, "Well, how do I know how to do that? Where do I find that?" Thank you for asking. At vrl.church/resources during every sermon series we're going to provide you with these resources. And so you can go there and you can find these Advent opportunities for you to do by yourself in your time with God, for you to do with a friend in your time with God, for you to do as a family. And so we want to give you these resources because the point is not another thing to check mark on the box of things to do, but it's actually to spend time with the Savior, spend time with your Lord, spend time with Messiah. How do we do that? Here's one of the ways. Okay, that's the first way. Spend time with him, Advent's an opportunity. Secondly, um, have you ever been uh, to an awkward birthday party? You know, where you kind of come in and you're like, ooh, everybody seems to be kind of hanging out and talking with each other, but they're kind of ignoring the birthday person for one reason or another. It just kind of makes an awkward kind of event or feeling. Or, 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 or another one that makes it even more weird. Have you ever gone to a birthday party where people bring gifts, but for each other? and nobody actually brings a gift for the birthday person. Now, if this actually happened to you, you would be so offended because some of you not only spend a birthday celebrating you, you insist on a birthday week or month, which is a whole different sermon, you know, um, on it being about you, you know, like, all right, why that tension happening to me? Why aren't people bringing me gifts? You know, that kind of stuff. But this is what we do for Jesus. It's his stinking birthday, and we have a great time celebrating each other, and we buy gifts and great joy for one another. And Jesus is in the background going, my birthday. What about me? And you might be thinking, well, well, well how, how can I bring Jesus a present? Well, they did in the first you know, time he was born. The wise men brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so how, but damn, that's when Jesus was, was born. That's when he was physically here. How do I do that? Well, Jesus actually tells us how to do that. And he tells us by what's going to happen at the end of time. See, at the end of time, Jesus is gonna gather all peoples, all tribes, all tongues, and all languages. And he's gonna gather them before the throne. He's gonna separate them as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he's gonna say to one group, hey, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. And he's gonna give these kinds of examples and they're gonna look and scratch their head and they're gonna be like, what, you haven't been around for a couple hundred or thousands of years. When did we ever see you do any of those things? And this is what Jesus is gonna reply. And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you were doing it for me. If you want to help bring Jesus a present if you want to bring a present to Jesus this Christmas season, be a person of hospitality to someone. Be a person who actually brings a gift by giving to someone who is in need. Specifically, um, as a church, we give you an easy opportunity to do this. This will be our eighth year, you know in a row that our Christmas Eve offering, 100 percent goes outside the church walls in the name of Jesus. That's a present on behalf of Him, and we give it to other people. Like last year, we gave water, incredible water resources to Uganda and to the Philippines and in other places in the world, again, in the name of Jesus. Now, what are we gonna do this year? I'm so glad you asked. Go ahead and watch the screen with me now.
1: Over the past year, you've heard so much about the crisis in Ukraine due to the war. And this year's Joy to the World, we're trying to figure out how do we help a local need? And so we're gonna help hundreds
2: of Ukrainian refugees. I started this by myself in February of 2022. Three and a half weeks later, the war in Ukraine broke out. We wrote a grant, got a really big amount of money from the state of Washington that we had six weeks to spend. And so we used it to help this hotel with 123 rooms that's now full of Ukrainian refugees. The biggest group that we serve here is actually from the city of Mariupol, which was in the news a lot this summer. It basically just got completely leveled. We came
0: from Mariupol. The first day of war, our house was hit by a rocket. At the time, inside the house, we had five children. We ran inside the house, and we saw how they were screaming. Our city is destroyed. And currently, we are in Spokane City and we don't have a home. For the children, it's important to have toys and a place to be children. children.
2: Every day when I get here to the Thrive Center, Vladimir is out sweeping the parking lot. He had his whole life and it just got taken away right here as he should be in his golden years. But instead of just being bitter, he's out there looking at like, hey, I'm in a new community, how can I serve? How can I make this place a better place? He's kind of like a surrogate grandpa to some of the kids. He's hanging out in the lobby, smiling, interacting with people. I'm always surrounded uh, with children here, and a lot of times when they don't go to school, there's a lot of them around. I was always joking with them, and I love to spend time with them. And the children always talk to me, and they say, grandpa, grandpa. And here children are running here in the building, and they need some place where they can uh, run wild. The hotel's not usually set up very well for kids. And so we really need some help figuring out ways to make this space, this place more hospitable so that kids can run and play and be kids and have the childhood that they deserve. One of the things that we've been dreaming about is what it would look like if we put in like a play structure or a playground here for kids. Parents to be able to watch their kids and let them interact while mom and dad get a little bit of a break. That's really what we're hoping for and what we're dreaming about.
1: So this year's Joy to the World, we're gonna stay local. You've heard a lot about the indoor playground we've been building at Valley Real Life Church for our local area. But now what we're gonna do is we're gonna expand our vision even more. We're gonna build an outdoor playground structure right here at the Thrive Center to help hundreds of Ukrainian refugees, to bring a sense of joy to these families. And we invite you to be a part of it. You can go to connect.vrl.church to give, and it's gonna be incredible anything above and beyond what the playground costs, what we're gonna do is we're gonna furnish apartments for refugee families who come off the airplane with literally nothing. So we invite you to join with us to make a difference in hundreds of families this Christmas. Cool.
0: (laughs) Many people have asked, you know, how do we help with those in Ukraine? How do we help? We don't even realize they're right in our backyard. You know, it was the same thing that happened when the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan and refugees are still coming from Afghanistan into our area and they have nothing, you know, based on what's gone on there. And so what an opportunity in our own backyard to love people and minister to people by giving a gift to Jesus on behalf of these people. And so what an amazing opportunity. So again, we have an opportunity to spend time with Jesus and give a gift. And there's no greater gift than we can give to Jesus The other time we see the angels rejoicing is when people come to faith, is when they come to faith, it says over one person who comes to faith, the angels rejoice in heaven, which is the third way we we avoid missing Christmas is to invite others to meet Jesus, specifically inviting people to come to Christmas Eve services. It's that open door opportunity greater than even Easter, because always the same time of year where Easter kind of, you know, goes in different weeks and different opportunities, we have it this Christmas season. And and so um, on your way out, we have invite cards for you to grab, for you to be able to, you know, pray for who, you know, uh, is the person that you're going to invite. A few months ago, we asked, who's your three? In fact, I want to encourage you, set an alarm that daily you uh, get this alarm to pray for the person that you're going to invite. If you're in a life group, say the person's name out loud. Keep each other accountable. Reach out and see what God does this year. And and by the way, since we have the, the, the... the numbers on the, on the screen in terms of the, the times and the days. Last year we had six. This year we have eight because last year it was a, it was a hectic zoo, you know, uh, for a couple of them. So we're trying to help alleviate some of that. And if you're a friend, go wherever your friend is going, that's most important. But if you have an open door opportunity to pick and choose, we would say Friday night, you know, at the 645 or the last service, you know, on Christmas Eve would be best if you want to help make room for other people, you know, as they come and attend. By the way, I love Christmas also because it is the one service a year you guys all come early. You know, it's just awesome to be like, I don't know how to create that every week. But, you know, at least on Christmas, we get to enjoy that as well. So what we've learned so far, so far is in the angel's pronouncement that Jesus is Savior, that he is Lord, and that he is the Messiah, we have an opportunity to push away some busyness and distraction, create some time, so that we spend time with Jesus, Advent's an idea. We buy a gift for Jesus. Christmas Eve is an opportunity or being hospitable or other ways that he might lead where he's the focus. And then we also get an opportunity to invite others to experience him. You'll get to the end of the season and realize I didn't miss out on the reason for the season. So what is your next step? What is your next step to reduce distraction and busyness so that this year even with all the other great things that you have planned that I've got planned as well, we don't miss Christmas. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this day, this time, this opportunity. I pray you would lead and guide us as we just seek to follow you. And so Lord, thank you. Thank you for just reminding us the main reason for the season and help us to get to the end of the season and look back and say, we didn't miss it this year. We were able to focus on you. It's in your precious name that we pray, amen.